It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And remember, to get our show every day, subscribe, as I said, and do so on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Packers. We're going to spend some time today answering some of your questions, some of your draft-related questions. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. But I want to start the show with a little bit of an epiphany that I've had. And if you are a longtime listener of the show and you're a, a longtime follower of me on Twitter, you know that early in the process, early in the off-season process, I expressed my uh, dismay, my disinterest in the notion that Green Bay could take a tight end with the 12th overall pick. And the reason I did that was I felt like, given the draft and given the players in this draft, that the odds of the player available at 12 who is the maximally impactful player at that position being a tight end was minimal. Now, a lot has changed since I I made that proclamation and and since I felt that way and again, the the reason that these things can change is because the shape of the roster changes. So, you have a player who might come in, and let's say Brian Burns is there at 12. Brian Burns, if Preston Smith and Zendarius Smith stay healthy, they're going to play the majority of base outside linebacker snaps, the vast majority of those snaps. And even if Zedarius slides inside in sub package, that's not going to be something he does 60-70% of the time. It's going to be something he does 30-40% of the time. And the other... Uh, you know, 40%, 50% of the snaps that he's on the field of the total anyway, because he's going to play 70, 70 plus percent of snaps. He's going to be outside. So if you have Brian Burns, assuming Brian Burns is worthy of the 12th pick, and let's just say he's a good, not great player, because I know that it can get off kilter. If you think Brian Burns is going to be Von Miller, or you think Brian Burns is going to be D Ford, or you think Brian Burns is going to be a world beater, if you think he's going to be better than the 12th best player in the draft, then you're going to have a different calculation for how this is all going to work. And if the Packers think that Brian Burns is 
that kind of player, then they should take him at 12. And if Ed Oliver is on the board at 12, they should run to the podium and make that selection. Ed Oliver, to me, is one of the five best players in this draft. If he's on the board, you take him. But the way that I look at this position, if the guys on the board at 12 are Devin Bush, TJ Hawkinson, Brian Burns, then you have to start looking at who these guys are going to be over the course of their rookie contracts. And are they going to earn second contracts? Brian Burns, if he is a good, not great player, is going to play 35, 40% of snaps. On the high end, going to play 50, 55, maybe 60% of snaps if they really get crazy with the way that they use Zadarius and Preston Smith in their sub-package interior rush alignments, okay? So what happens if someone like TJ Hawkinson is the pick at 12? In year one, he might not play that much. And remember, we had this whole discussion about basically my disinterest in the impact of a rookie in 2019. Most of the players that they're going to pick in 2019 are not going to see 60-70% of snaps at their position. They're just not. Because they solidified so many of those spots in free agency. The selection of a player should never, never be predicated on whether or not they're going to play the majority of snaps or start in 2019. Because players, rookies, are almost always bad. And players generally, by the way, are more often than not bad. 60%, even of first-round picks, aren't very good. So you can't rely on those guys. So worrying about whether or not they can help you in year one, even if they end up being good players, is a fool's errand. It's not something worth counting on. So you can't say, oh, well, this player is more ready to help us in year one. If you think by year two, year three, year four, year five, their value is similar, then you have to be looking at that much more then you're looking at what they can do in year one. If the Packers draft TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant at 12, Fant being the freak athlete, Hawkinson being the more complete player, he's going to be playing, mm, let's call it 25, 30% of snaps in year one. But by year two, when the Packers have no tight ends on their roster under contract, he could be playing 90% of snaps. He would be the tight end one. And in this offense with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and, a, and a, an offense that is predicated on running the ball on play action and playing with the tight end at all times, if you think TJ Hawkinson can be Jason Witten, that guy is really valuable. That guy is really impactful for your team. You know, someone like Devin Bush. I love Devin Bush. I love the value there. I love his skill set. There's no guarantee He's better than Oren Burks. And there's no guarantee he's better than Blake Martinez. If Blake Martinez has another good year, he's going to get a contract, and Oren Burks is going to get every opportunity to play ahead of him, even if he's more talented. So what is the upside there? Now, I think you can certainly make the case at 12 that an offensive tackle is a smart call. Andre Dillard, Jawan Taylor, who they met with at the Combine, if he if he tests really well, I'm dubious that he's going to test athletically high enough to really be in play for Green Bay. 
But this is just another point that we can look at and say, if the only other guys worth taking in that spot are an offensive tackle, a linebacker, and a pass rusher, how, which of those positions, assuming the value of that of those prospects the, or the quality of those prospects are similar? So we have to do that. We have to assume their qualities are similar. If they're if they're all you know eight point five to eight point seven players, they're all in in a similar range in terms of quality. We have to assume that just to have a reasonable argument here. If we assume that, I don't think it's unreasonable to believe, even though pass rusher is a premier position, that tight end could be the most impactful of that group. And furthermore, there's no guarantee someone like Devin Bush is going to be there. This becomes even more convoluted. Let's say Devin White and Devin Bush, you know, Devin White goes at five, Devin Bush goes at 11, Ed Oliver is off the board. And now you're left with an offensive tackle, a tight end, and let's say Brian Burns is available. If we assume similar quality, I think there's a reasonable case to be made that the offensive tackle and the tight end are more valuable, more impactful to Green Bay because they're going to play starter snaps over the course of their career. And in this offense, their positions... And, and their relative impacts, given the plan at that position, is just potentially more impactful. Especially if you think the quality is the same. Unless you think someone like Brian Burns is really a top five player, and there are plenty of people on Packers Twitter and on Draft Twitter who feel that way, then you, you take that guy. You take the pass rusher because you can never have too many of them. But if you think the quality is similar, if you don't think Brian Burns is going to play his way onto the field because he's just that talented by the time he's in year two or year three, if you don't think he is going to outplay Zadarius and Preston Smith, and I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't think he will. I think he's a good player. I think those guys are good players. I think their qualities are commensurate. But there's no question that no player on the Packers' current roster is likely to be as good in 2019 or 2020 or 2021 as TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant. And those players' upside far exceeds anything on the current roster and the potential impact. I mean, we could be talking about a 70-80 catch tight end in an offense that allows that kind of thing. We just saw what George Kittle was able to do in Shanahan's offense, that is a similar offense to what we're going to see with Green Bay. It caters to the tight end position. And with non-NFL quarterbacks, George Kittle was able to put up crazy numbers, was able to be basically the MVP of his team at the tight end position because of this offense. So we can't take positional value in a vacuum. It doesn't work like that. Positional value is not in a vacuum. It is the case, and I have always been steadfast in my belief that the quarterback is the most important position, pass rusher is the second most important position, and then after that, it's cornerback, offensive tackle, so it's protecting the passer and defending the passer, the opposing passer, and receiver. Those are the five. Those are the big five. 
But Green Bay, they have pass rushers now. They have a quarterback. And they have Devontae Adams. At the very least, they have some other receivers that they really like. So that leaves cornerback. They have a group there. That leaves offensive tackle. Now, in this offense, tight end is a pass catcher. They're going to be split out. They're going to play in the backfield. They are primary premium positions in this offense. They are like receivers in this offense. So they're in that mix. In in a very real way, tight ends in this offense are in that receiver mix. We can basically make it pass catcher. And again, on this Packers team, this has to be team specific, remember. On this Packers team where they have a quarterback, they have now a group of pass rushers that they trust. They have cornerbacks that they really like, and there aren't cornerbacks worth taking at 12, probably not even a cornerback that I love for this team at 30. I mean, I wouldn't take Greedy there. I wouldn't. I don't think he's a first-round player. I don't think he knows how to find the ball consistently enough. So that leaves protecting the quarterback and having the quarterback have someone to throw the ball to. And so if they don't like any of these offensive tackles, let's say Andre Dillard is not someone they love or he goes. I mean, I think with his athletic profile, his pass-blocking ability, he absolutely should be a top-10 pick. Someone like the Bills should just say, no, that's my dude. Someone like the Bengals should just say, that's our guy. We're taking him. He's going to be our our left tackle starter for the next 10 years. So it could be the case that the most impactful player on the board is TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant. It could be the case. And given where they want to go with their safeties, given that Matt LaFleur yesterday echoed what Brian Gutekind said, what we talked about on the show yesterday, that Tremont Williams is a cornerback, and that they clearly need a safety, but there's no safety worth taking. Getting that tight end at 12, now you've opened up. There's really a cluster of value of safeties between 25 and 45. It's unlikely any of these guys, Nasir Adderley, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Darnell Savage, Juan Thornhill, Amani Hooker, they're not going before 25. Deontay Thompson, they're not going before 25. They might not even go before 30. So then at 30, you can get someone like Chris Lindstrom. Or you take someone like Nasir Adderley. And then at 44, you can take Caleb McGarry. Or you can take Darnell Savage. That's where the the offensive line value is also further down the board. But there are two blue-chip tight ends in this draft. I think Jonah Williams and Dalton Reisner are blue-chip offensive linemen. I don't think Green Bay is going to agree. I think Andre Dillard is a blue-chip offensive lineman for sure, but he might be gone. Right now, and I I understand that this is a weird take for me, if the draft were today, I think the move for the Packers at 12, if he's there, is Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle from Washington State. Can be a backup at guard, eventually can play tackle. One of the best pass blockers in this draft, if not the best, blue-chip offensive lineman talent, elite athlete, something the Packers are going to like, and then you figure it out from there. Maybe Irv Smith at 30. You've got those safety options at 30, and and you go from there. But I also think that there is some wisdom in saying, okay, get your blue chip tight end with the, with the understanding that there is value 
later in the first round and into the second round at offensive tackle, and that is also true at safety. Those are the three positions right now where you need help long-term. They have a plan at linebacker with Oren Burks and Blake Martinez. They're not as pressing needs. So given the shape of this draft, get your blue-chip talent when you can get your blue-chip talent and then target your other positions of impact. I don't view them as need positions. I view them as impact positions, Players where positions where talented players will maximally impact your team. You can find value at 30, at 44, and there are other positions. If Paris Campbell's there at 30 or Debo Samuel at 30, if those guys are there at 44, those are other options that you can have. You don't have to press. You don't have to reach. I expect the goal for Green Bay is to come out of their first three picks with an offensive tackle who might be able to play guard, a tight end, and a safety. But you don't want to be pigeonholed. You don't want to be forced into taking anyone at those positions. Having two first-round picks gives you the luxury of saying, if we think the most impactful player on the board at 12 is a tight end, we can take him. And that is the position that Green Bay currently finds itself in because they were so effective at filling needs in free agency. The reopening is right around the corner and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one two punch to keep your one two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, that's what throw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, I want to answer a couple of your questions today. If you want to read more about my my tight end take, you can do that at Acme Packing Company today. The, I have a piece up probably by the time you're listening to this, maybe, maybe after. It might not be up yet, but uh, most likely it is, so go check that out. But I, I do want to get to some questions. I got a couple on Twitter that I thought would be interesting uh, to, to address because they are draft-related. This one is from Darth Hurricane on Twitter, at Darth Hurricane. Love that. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Given the Packers' history of trading down and accumulating more picks, what are the chances that they use both first-round picks this year where they currently are? I know many factors can impact this, but just wondering what your thoughts are. I think the best situation for them is to stay put in both of those slots, but it's always about what your options are. What is the opportunity cost? Let's say there's a great trade on the table. Let's say Washington wants to move up for a quarterback. Let's say the Giants want to move up. That's an, that's another team now. We haven't talked about this yet, but the Odell Beckham trade puts another team if the Giants don't take a quarterback at six, and it doesn't sound like they want to. It sounds like they want to take Montez Sweat at six. At 17, they may have to move up to get the guy that they want. It sounds like they have a lot of interest in Daniel Jones. So maybe Green Bay can, from 12, go down to 17. Maybe one of those tight ends is still there, and they can get an extra pick for their troubles to take a player that they always wanted to take. I think that would be a great scenario. I don't think they have to trade down to justify taking a tight end. But that is certainly something that I think is on their radar. Washington is going to want to trade up if they want a quarterback. They could convince Miami to trade up. Now, it seems like Miami is content to tank, but maybe they want to tank with their quarterback of the future already on the roster. I don't think they do. I think that, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback this year. They want to be bad, and they want to be in the Tua sweepstakes. They want to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. They, they are... They are playing the long game here for the first time in a long time. I don't think, though, they're going to move up from 30. Now, I, it did pique my interest a little bit to hear Brian Gutekinds talk about the, the Clay Matthews story. At the owners' meetings, Brian Gutekinds told the story of Ted Thompson wanting to trade up for Clay Matthews and how out of character it was for him to be so into a player. As soon as they drafted B.J. Raji, he basically looked around and said, let's go get the linebacker, meaning Clay Matthews. I don't know if that's on his mind because there is another guy that they think is their guy and they want to move up for him. That could be. I don't. I think the most likely scenario, if they don't pick at 12 and 30, especially with the Giants picking up an extra pick, is that they trade down from 12. That the board falls a weird way, the linebackers are gone, Ed Oliver is gone, and they don't love their position. They think that they can get a little bit more value. They can get down to 17, they can get down to 15, and still take a really good player, still take a blue chip player. I think that is that is certainly an option for Green Bay in this draft. All right, Garrett Cumber says, I've seen drafts in the past weekish that have Polite dropping way out of the top 10, even seen him in the second round. What do you make of this? To me, if a guy like this is available at 30, I'm going to take him. Why is that a bad idea? At hashtag locked on Packers. Um, 
Garrett, I think the reason you're seeing that is we're hearing more and more, and this is something that I have heard, uh, is that Polite really did himself no favors at the Combine, that the interviews were really bad, like really bad. And obviously he was not in ideal shape. Then he had the injury, didn't test. He has to crush his pro day. And that is just to get back into like top 50 consideration. He's The first round is now a pipe dream. He's not going in the first round. He's not. And if he doesn't test well again, if he has a second opportunity to test well and doesn't, then his status on day two becomes in jeopardy. And I'm, I'm serious. Like he might not be a top 100 player if he shows up to his pro day and, and is not in great shape and doesn't test his ass off. Because this is his opportunity. He went in and, and he screwed up the combine. And he's 20 years old and you you throw on the tape and you watch him do things on the field. You say, okay, there's something here. He is really talented. He can go hunt quarterbacks and that is extremely valuable in the NFL. He blew his interview at the combine. Blew it. Blew it. That's only a damning mistake if he can't correct it. So he has the opportunity now at his pro day to come in and say, look, I made a mistake. I wasn't prepared. I didn't handle it the best way that I could have. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work to rectify it. I'm going to work to prove to every team out there that I am legit, that I'm an NFL player, that I'm a really good NFL player, that I'm really talented, and here's why. Look at my crazy 40 time. Look at my sick three cone. Look at my broad jump. Look at my ability to talk to teams, to interviews, to atone for my mistakes. If there's one thing an NFL team loves, it's giving a player, a talented player, especially a second chance. They love to see you come back from adversity to overcome an obstacle like this. I don't know that he can work himself back into the first round mix short of, you know, some sort of virtuoso pro day performance. You know, if he puts up the Brian Burns performance, then maybe the Montez Sweat performance. Maybe. Maybe he can get in the mix. Maybe 32. Maybe 30. Maybe Garrett's right, 30. I doubt it. I really doubt it. Now, 44, you know, I think right now you look at it and say, yeah, 44 is the ceiling. That's a ceiling. And we don't know the floor. I mean, the floor could genuinely be fourth round. Serious. I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. And, you know, again, the 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 reporting that was coming out around him was all very nebulous. It was, oh, his attitude, oh, his maturity, whatever. He's done nothing but help fuel those speculations and those concerns in the offseason. And you hate to see that for a kid who really is 20 and who who his teammates loved, who by all accounts is a decent kid as a human, but has not responded well to this process. And unfortunately for him, it's the most important process of his life to date, potentially the most important process he will ever go through. So for his sake, I hope that he performs much better 
And wouldn't you know it, his pro day is today. So if you're listening to this, you may already know what happened with his pro day. Hopefully he killed it. Hopefully he killed it. And that's the same for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. If, if he tested really well with his agilities, with his three-cone, I think he's very much in the mix for the Packers. I think he's a legit first-round player. I think he could be in the mix at 30. So those are names to keep an eye on. But Ja'Kai Polite has got a lot of work to do to rehab his status, and I hope for his sake that he does it. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow, and we're going to have some draft talk. We're going to have an interview for you, and I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, because I need to make sure we can get it locked down and we can get it all buttoned up and we can have it for you. But uh, we're going to talk NFL draft, talk about some player prospects, and that'll be our focus for the next few weeks as we look toward the end of April with the NFL draft coming up. I I promise we will still get to our Zadarius Smith deep dive, uh, trying to get that scheduled. So uh, we will keep working on that. And if, if the Packers do sign more players, then then we'll have to we'll have to adjust as necessary to that. Uh, some some things also to talk about tomorrow, uh, the NFL replay rules and some of the things they're working on there and Green Bay making some changes to their practice schedule. We're going to go to a full practice on Friday and a walkthrough on Saturday. It sounds like Matt LaFleur wants to have another team in for practices in the preseason. Green Bay working on a Canadian preseason game potentially so a lot to talk about tomorrow and and we have not been able to just catch our breaths here I mean, it's almost april and we have just had stuff to talk about every single day whether it's news or the signings or discussions that's going on in in packers twitter in the ether and in, in the, the cheesehead nation so we are having to respond to those things at all times and and maybe we will have a chance to catch our breath a little bit but it's more fun this way More things to talk about is never a problem for us here at Locked on Packers. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. And remember, you can also subscribe to us on the new Himalaya podcast app. That's Himalaya Like the Mountain podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. That's right. We are the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. Does not stop being cool. Thank you, as always, for your support for the show. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can do that and hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. Answer your questions, 920-341-3775. As always, to stay Locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.